Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another opportunity to fellowship with you. We thank you that we have the life in the first place because without it we cannot have this fellowship with you. We pray, Father, that as we go through your words, you would grant to us an understanding that will bring us to a greater nearness to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, grant us of your spirit and help us to rightly divide the word of truth. I ask, Lord, that you consecrate me to your service, for I am only a sinful mortal. For the sake of your children, please put your words in my mouth, that it may be spoken to the blessing of every one of us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 5. Publicans not excluded. desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Hosea chapter 6 verse 6 The calling of Matthew to be one of Christ's disciples excited great indignation. For a religious teacher to choose a publican as one of his immediate attendants was an offense against the religious social and national customs. In his grateful humility, Matthew desired to show his appreciation of the honor bestowed upon him and calling together those who had been his associates in business, in pleasure and in sin. He made a great feast for the Savior. If Jesus would call him who was so sinful and unworthy, he would surely accept his former companions who were thought by Matthew far more deserving than himself. Matthew had a great longing that they should share the benefits of the mercies and grace of Christ. He desired them to know that Christ did not despise and hate the publicans and sinners. He wanted them to know Christ as the blessed Savior. Jesus never refused an invitation to such a feast. The object ever before him was to sow in the hearts of his hearers the seeds of truth through his winning conversation to draw hearts to himself. In his every act, Christ had a purpose and the lesson which he gave on this occasion was timely and appropriate. By this act, he declared that even publicans and sinners were not excluded from his presence. The Pharisees beheld Christ sitting and eating with publicans and sinners. These self-righteous men, who felt no need of help, could not appreciate the work of Christ. They placed themselves where they could not accept the salvation which he came to bring. They would not come unto him that they might have life. The poor publicans and sinners felt their need of help and they accepted instruction and aid which they knew Christ was able to, to give to them. To Matthew himself, the example of Jesus at the feast was a constant lesson. 
the despised publican became one of the most devoted evangelists in his own ministry following closely in his master's steps. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Publicans Not Excluded. Involved in this devotion is the people called the Pharisees because they are the ones that exclude publicans. The Pharisees were people who showed their righteousness by making prominent the faults of others whose sin were in the public view, mostly the publicans and the harlots. After the call of Matthew, who was a detested publican, a thief, in gratitude to the acknowledgement of Jesus towards him, Matthew organized a feast for, for Jesus in which he hoped that his friends whom he considered to be even more worthy than himself to be called disciples, may have the opportunity to see the beauty of his newfound friend and master, Jesus Christ. Jesus honored this feast, and there is a lesson for us here in seeing that Jesus honored the feast. Matthew 9 verse 10 says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now, this description here, many publicans and sinners, what does that mean? Does it mean the Pharisees were not sinners? No. It means that they socially, you know, there are some people who we call sinners. There are those who walk around the street, streets, uh, Christians and pastors. Uh, nobody calls them sinners, you get. But we are all sinners. But the ones who are called sinners here are those who their sin is the one that is done in the open. But for others, their sin is in their mind. Their sin is in secret. So nobody calls them sinners. Maybe pride, anger, hatred, bitterness. It could be lustful thoughts. But they are not the ones that are called sinners here. So those who are called sinners here are those whose sin is in the open. That's the people being referred to here. But these people came and in their numbers, like the Bible says, many, they came and sat down with Jesus at meat in the house and it was matthew who organized this feast for jesus and we've already read in the devotion why he did it so jesus attended the feast and it's a lesson for us you know we may be thinking we are learning about god and there's nothing wrong because we may have our false opinions and desires and mindset jesus is here to correct them if you were called by a sinner publican let us say today a politician who the world knows is evil if you were called to a feast by this politician will you go now in our self-righteousness if we are like the Pharisees we will say God forbid I cannot go and sit and meet with this man or that man because he is a known thief I will not go and sit down with him but while it is true that the person is a known thief, your motive matters. Jesus sat down with the corrupt men of his time because one of them who was once corrupt had changed. He invited these other ones. They had not changed. They were still publicans. They were still corrupt. But they came and sat down and Jesus sat with them. I'll read from Desire of Ages, page 274, paragraph 1, to, to make us understand the lesson that is to, we are to learn from here, from our Lord Jesus. It says, The entertainment was given in honor of Jesus, and he did not hesitate to accept the courtesy. He well knew that this would give offense to the Pharisaic 
party and would also compromise him in the eyes of the people. But no question of policy could influence his movements. With him, external distinctions weighed nothing. That which appealed to his heart was a soul thirsting for the water of life. Jesus sat as an honored guest at the table of the publicans by his sympathy and social kindliness, showing that he recognized the dignity of humanity and men longed to become worthy of his confidence. Upon their thirsty hearts, his words fell with blessed, life-giving power. New impulses were awakened and the possibility of a new life opened to these outcasts of society. At such gatherings as these, not a few were impressed by the Savior's teachings who did not acknowledge him after his ascension. When the Holy Spirit was poured out and 3,000 were converted in a day, there were among them many who first heard the truth at the table of the publicans, and some of these became messengers of the gospel. To Matthew himself, the example of Jesus at the feast was a constant lesson. The despised publican became one of the most devoted evangelists in his own ministry following closely in his master's steps." End of quote. So what is the lesson we learn from here? We learn the lesson that we are not to be exclusive in our preaching. I mean, what have we come for? Jesus came to preach to the sinners. How can you preach to the sinners if you don't make contact with them? How can you help them to know Christ if you are standing aloof from them and you don't mingle with them? You must mingle with them if you must save them. And Jesus mingled with them in intelligently. How did he do it? We read now, Matthew actually organized this feast for Jesus and invited his friends to come there. So who was in charge? It was Jesus. They were not here discussing politics and football and entertainment and the latest things that were happening around them. But Jesus knew how to, even if somebody brings such a comment, like in the book of Luke 13 from verse 1, it could be that somebody in that garden would say, Lord, did you hear of those people who the tower of Siloam fell upon them while they were building or those who Pilate mingled their blood with their sacrifice? Somebody may have said that while they were on the table. I mean, searching something to that effect. But Jesus knew how to turn the conversation in such a way that it will benefit the people. And he said in Luke 13, if you don't repent, you will also likewise perish. You see these things that are happening to people. Somebody may have told him, do you hear the newspaper? One publican might have said, so do you see what happened in the newspaper? Some people are selling people's body parts for money. Jesus will say to them, hmm, that's how the world is. Do you know that if you don't repent, it can also happen to you? It's not as if those people who you see that are sold and they are taking over and their body parts are sold or they are using them for blood money are the worst people on this earth. They are just like you. But all of us, what really matters is for us to live a righteous life. Whether we are sold and caught and kidnapped, it doesn't matter. As far as your life is faithful, the Lord will eventually give you eternal life. That way, Jesus knew how to change the conversations of those people. They were not there discussing football. They were not there discussing politics. They were not there discussing entertainment and having the gay time in laughter, clapping the hands and laughing and then just having a swell time that was not beneficial to anybody. This was a time spent with them such that when they were true, 
every sinner and publican in that place went home blessed. They will think about their life and they will see that there is hope for them. That they can live a righteous life. And that being honored by Jesus meant a lot to them, especially as they lived in a society where they were despised because they were the extortioners. And they were sinners, yes. Halots, yes. But because of the exclusiveness they had received from the Pharisees, they themselves had made no attempt to change their life because they felt that nobody would accept them. But when they saw this man Jesus, who did not exclude them but spoke with them, sat with them to eat, and was even as far as try to correct them in their lives, they had some sense of dignity in their life again. They felt that they were human beings because people didn't treat them like human beings all this while. Jesus treated them like human beings. He didn't look at their sin. He didn't disrespect them or treat them as beneath his dignity because of their sinful life. Why? Because his name is Jesus, Matthew one twenty one. He shall save his people from their sins. And this is a lesson for us to be like Jesus. How were the people dressed that day? Perhaps there were some there were people who were not dressed right. Perhaps there were people, ladies there who their body parts were showing. Perhaps there were some who were who knows, maybe came there with some cigar and maybe who knows were smoking while Jesus was there. I'm just saying that to the effect of things like that. I'm not saying exactly smoking. But they were not all right. That's my that's just my point. Right there when they were speaking with Jesus. They were not all right in everything. They were not all right in their dressing, in their eating, in their choice of words. When even speaking with Jesus, they might have even used slangs and said some things to amount to things that were not necessarily right. But Jesus bore with these things to the end that he was trying to teach them the way of the gospel. And he was the chief speaker in the place and they were all listening to him. It is a lesson for us to understand our mission. Like Jesus said, while he was eating, I'll just go on to the reading now so that we'll see the contrast here. Matthew 9 verse 11 to 13 says, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. What does this mean? It doesn't make any sense for Jesus to say that he came to save people from their sins and then he's walking with righteous people and he's teaching righteous people. He is saying, I came to save sinners, therefore it is sinners I will talk to. If you are the righteous one, you can go your way. Because I don't have anything to do with righteous people. They are already safe. Just like the parable of the man who had a hundred sheep and one went astray, he left the ninety-nine and went to look for the hundred. So Pharisee, if you are righteous, if you know you are fine, I don't have anything to do with you. It is the sinners I came for. So do not disturb my mission. If you understand what I came for, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I came here to teach people, to save people from their sins. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 275, paragraph 3 and downward to give us a better perspective of this, it says, The Pharisees claimed to be spiritually whole and therefore in no need of a physician, while they regarded the publicans and Gentiles as perishing from diseases of the soul. 
Then, was it not his work as a physician to go to the very class that needed his help? But although the Pharisees thought so highly of themselves, they were really in a worse condition than the ones they despised. The publicans were less bigoted and self-sufficient and thus were more open to the influence of truth. Jesus said to the rabbis, Go you and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Thus he showed that while they claimed to expound the word of God, they were wholly ignorant of his spirit. End of quote. So here we have understood why Jesus or how Jesus responded to the disciples. And you see the problem here is that Jesus estimated these publicans and sinners to be even in a better condition than the Pharisees. It is not publicans and harlots that killed Jesus and nailed him to the cross. It is these begotted Pharisees that did it. What is greater in the scale and magnitude of iniquity to be one who thinks that you have it all right with yourself to the point that you crucify a man not for any evil thing he had done but just because he is better than yourself? Which one is worse? The publicans and harlots never did that. Now, to show how he estimates bigotry and hypocrisy as and how much hope there is for those who do the struggle with sin yet are striving to live a better life, Jesus once told a parable of two sons which goes this way. In Matthew 21 verse 28 to 32, it says, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go, Work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father, they say unto him, The first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that you might believe him. Amen. Why does Jesus see things from this perspective of the harlots and publicans being better than the Pharisees and Sadducees? The great sin of the Pharisees was that while they despised the publicans and harlots to look as if they were righteous, they actually were not. They also despised Jesus and anyone who was actually keeping God's law. Their religion consisted in a kind of righteousness that is shown by speaking of other people's sins and not necessarily avoiding it themselves. That's why Jesus called them hypocrites. The publicans at least received the truth when it was spoken to them, but the Pharisees wouldn't listen. The harlots did not make any claim to holiness or righteousness. That is why they represent that son who said, I will not go, but afterward went. Because outwardly, the life looks bad. And these harlots, publicans, sinners, they, they didn't have any claim to holiness. They didn't claim, I will go. They said, I will not, but they did it eventually. So they were open to receive correction because they did not claim to be holy. But the Pharisees were not open because they were self-sufficient and prided themselves in the sins that they did not commit. But Jesus did not exclude the publicans and harlots. He did not sanction their actions, but at least he did not treat them as despised people by not having a simple meal with them or having conversations with them or receiving gifts or kind gestures from them. By this, he even warned them over 
While associating with them, he spoke of things that were permissible to be spoken of. The Pharisees did not fault Jesus for having an evil conversation or engaging in sinful entertainment or joining the publicans in sinful pleasures. They faulted him for merely eating with them or just visiting them regardless of the nature of their discussion. But this is not the way things should go. Reading from Ministry of Healing, page 143, it says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. End of quote. This is the pattern that we are to follow. But you may be wondering, why is it that Jesus was able to view the publicans and harlots in this way? The reason is this. Like Matthew, people struggle and Jesus understood the nature of the struggle. You may look at someone outwardly as though the person is a hardened sinner who has no remorse for the things they do, but that's not the case all the time. Many times, the people who you see today, harlots, sinners, you don't know what their childhood was like, you don't know the circumstances that has brought them to where they are. If you knew your view may change about them and you will try to work things out with them and see how you can be of benefit and help to them. There are many who, because of some evil thing that happened to them, maybe in their childhood, some people, not of any fault of themselves, were born into poverty. And this poverty may have so tried them that they became thieves. Some others were molested as children, and children have no self-control. Engaging in the pleasure of sexual uh, gratification, they couldn't control themselves as children and now they are grown, addicted to sin. Whether it is sexual sin of any kind, sex itself, pornography, masturbation, and you see them involved in these things. Others are involved in internet fraud. You don't know what led them there. So, do not judge. And if you do not judge, you will be like Jesus. You will seek to help them. That was what Jesus could understand. He didn't say, oh, these are just evil people who love to be evil. He understood that he, there are circumstances. He doesn't excuse their sin, but he understands the circumstances that led to what they were. And as far as they were not judging others, like the Pharisees were doing, he was going to help them. But to those who closed their minds, judging others like the Pharisees, bigoted, self-sufficient, it is difficult for Christ to reach such hearts. Those who would look at Jesus and say, why is he being so friendly with this young lady? Why is he being so friendly with this man who we know is a cultist, with this man who we know is a thief, with this man who we know is corrupt? Why is he even as much as visiting his house? You see the way the world behaves. They are so pharisaical. When there is someone who does do something wrong, oh, dissociate yourself, dissociate yourself from them, cancel the person. Why do you have this particular person as somebody you are doing business with? Pharisaical behavior. Even among the world, not as if they are even claiming to be Christians or something, but you see, when, oh, maybe Coca-Cola, they say, oh, don't associate with this particular person because they are involved in this or that. Some kind of self-righteousness is also seen in worldly people. They act as though they are better than others by virtue signaling. And all this kind of behavior is just still the same pharisaical behavior. Even worldly people do it. That pharisaical 
virtue signaling that they do how do you do it just oh i will not associate myself with this particular person oh vladimir putin oh i won't associate myself with him if a pastor goes today to go and meet vladimir putin or to go and meet kim jong-un or xi jinping many christians will say oh what is this pastor doing with these men these evil people killers and all of that do you know that are you there to save souls or you are there to make them perish what is your aim as a christian would jesus if invited by these men attend the meeting yes i remember seeing a video of the man called there's this basketballer dennis rodman who went to visit the north korean president and oh cnn they, why will he go and visit him why will he go and honor an invitation that the that um, king jong-un invited him to and they wanted to cancel him and he told them you cannot win these people by being hostile to them all the time and that is a lesson for us you can't win people by being hostile to them the method is christ's method that will give true success mingle with men as one who desire their good show your sympathy for them minister to their needs win their confidence and i remember the man king jong-un who said about dennis rodman you are the first american who has kept a promise to me this man had lost faith in humanity thinking that everybody is against him but by this one act his heart was opened and he realized and said there is hope for someone like you to keep your promise then and he, he was softened by it and we should learn that same lesson there is a work for us to do for sinners that is what christianity is about it's about ministering to sinners and that's what jesus said i did not come for the righteous i came for sinners ministry of healing page 164 paragraph 2 says it was the outcast the publican and sinner the despise of the nations that christ called and by his loving kindness compelled to come to him the one class that he would never countenance was those who stood apart in their self-esteem and looked down upon others go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in christ bids us that my house may be filled in obedience to this word we must go to the hidden who are near us and to those who are afar off the publicans and harlots must hear the savior's invitation through the kindness and long-suffering of his messengers the invitation becomes a compelling power to uplift those who are sunken in the lowest depths of sin and i want to say here that this kind of work i would say is not for everybody if you know you have a weakness towards the things that these publicans and harlots are inclined to it is better you don't go close to something that will arouse evil passions in yourself I think that's enough said on that. Continuing the reading, it says, Christian motives demand that we work with a steady purpose and undying interest, an ever-increasing importunity for the souls whom Satan is seeking to destroy. Nothing is to chill the earnest yearning energy for the salvation of the lost. Mark how all through the word of God, there is manifest the spirit of urgency, of imploring men and women to come to Christ. We must seize upon every opportunity in private and in public, presenting every argument, urging every motive of infinite weight to draw men to the Savior. 
With all our power, we must urge them to look unto Jesus and to accept his life of self-denial and sacrifice. We must show that we expect them to give joy to the heart of Christ by using every one of his gifts in honoring his name." End of quote. So, the Lord has given to us our work. It is to save sinners. It is not for the righteous. So, we are not to be exclusive in the words in terms of excluding certain people as people you cannot reach out to. Some of them will be touched by the fact that you could even as much as come to them when you know the kind of work they are doing because they know that when people know the kind of work they do, then they would not they would not want to come close to them. Now, this does not mean that you should take upon yourself to go and meet a harlot in the harlot's house to do evangelism with them. Don't take it that far, please. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not what Jesus' example is saying to us. What the example is, is simple. Don't be exclusive. Preach to everybody. It doesn't mean that you go to a place where sin is taking place. Jesus did not do that. This feast was organized by Matthew, his disciple. So it was well controlled, well organized. He sat with them not while they were in business. They were not in business. The harlot was not in business at that time. They came there just to sit with Jesus and hear from him. So don't say now that you want to go and meet a harlot while she's in business and there you want to go and give her the message of the word of God and while many of them are there and all of that. No, be careful and let the Lord and the Holy Spirit lead you. The simple message is just this. The message is for everybody. There is no exclusiveness. Nobody is excluded. Everybody is included. That is the message and we are to go out. Let the publicans and harlots hear the message. Every sinner, including yourself, myself, we are all sinners. Everybody needs to hear. And then we will be doing the work of Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, loving Father, for the words you have spoken to us today. I pray, Lord, that you give us the intelligence to know how to put this in practice. Forgive us for having that pharisaical, exclusive mind of looking down on others and feeling self-sufficient and help us Lord to be like you to have that love for sinners that will make efforts to bring them out of sin into righteousness and teach us how to go about it also in Jesus name of prayed amen there's enough of God's love to feed the ocean there's enough of God's love There's enough of God's love 
Stay.